Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dawn Name site or the Blog Talk Radio site, please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you are experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk Radio player is not working properly, please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for January 21st, 2018. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Yes, we're (coughs) well into the new year, year of the dog. (laughs) And, you know, what's on my mind now is after today's broadcast, which is 8 o'clock, starts 8 o'clock in the West Coast here. I'm invited to be a guest speaker at uh, Fresno Temple, which is about half an hour, 45 minutes uh, south of us. And the Fresno Temple is a Shin Buddhist Temple, which is part of the Buddhist Churches of America, BCA. They have quite a few temples scattered on the West Coast and other places too. a lot of Japanese Americans um, are Shin Buddhists when they came to this country. Uh, the, the first generation are Issei. You know, they came around the turn of the century, and uh, and their children, the second generation called Nisei. Then I'm of the third generation, Sansei Ichi Nisan. My kids are Yonsei fourth generation um, of having come to America from Japan. And these uh, Shin Buddhist temples were formed to serve the religious needs and social and cultural needs of the newly arrived immigrants. And uh, some of them are observing, have observed their 100th anniversary, you know, a lot of them were in rural areas because a lot of the new, new immigrants were farmers, 
They came from places where, uh, you know, they were not professionally educated. But, of course, they always valued education. And so their their children, the Nisei, they made sure that these people got a good education and a lot of them became very successful professional people. Well, anyway, I'm going to speak at the Fresno Temple. And I was thinking, you know, I do a little bit of um, guest speaking, and I've been officially retired for many years now from uh, being a resident temple minister. I was 12 years at my father's temple in Chicago on a ministerial staff. But then I've been involved, of course, <laughs> retired is a relative term, the family, and I've been involved uh, in running the Bright Dawn Center. And this is uh, the headquarters for which a lot of program activities developed. Our lead ministry training program and our, this blog talk radio Live Dharma Sunday broadcast is sponsored by the Bright Dawn Center. And it's all designed, the purpose, the mission of the organization, Bright Dawn, is the literal meaning of my father's Dharma name given to him by his teacher. And uh, so our organization is, uh, its whole purpose is to carry on my father's pioneering work in presenting his, you know, approach the way of oneness. And I speak about oneness, non-dualistic approach to the teachings. That's, that's our, it's our emphasis, our focus. And I'm going to talk about that today uh, in my remarks. And uh, I was thinking about just going to guest speaking in general too, of how it's kind of challenging, keeps me on my toes. I have to say something worthwhile. I have to revisit, I have to reaffirm what's really meaningful to me that I could share. What are the teachings that are really meaningful to me? You know? Um, And if you want to look at non-dualism, what does non-dualistic approach mean? What does oneness mean? Well, of course, it has a lot of meanings, but one important application is the things that we think are the opposites on some dimension. See, like, teacher, student, normally you think the teacher is someone who gives out the teachings and the students or the audience, the congregation, are the ones that receive it. As Those, those are two different things, mutually exclusive. Huh? But the teacher cannot be a teacher if there's nobody listening, <laughs> you know, in a practical, functional sense. Huh? I mean, he can't. He doesn't stand alone. Huh? So he always has to be thinking about his message. How his? How can he effect? Be effective in his message giving? Uh, think. Well, I know this, and I'm going to share this. But no, it's not that simple. It's not that dichotomous. Okay, it's not like. The teacher's way over here, separate, and then here's the way over here is this congregation. Okay, uh, they influence one another. They interact together. Huh? Um, they, usually, you get invited to be a guest speaker on a particular religious holiday, and the religious holiday that they're observing is called Hoonko, which means 
memorial anniversary observance for Shinran Shonin, who is the founder of uh, Jolo Shinshu Buddhism. You know, he was 13th century. In all religious holidays in general, it's not about the congregation observing, uh, respecting, and so forth. Some historical event happened a long time ago in a different place, and, you know, it's something that's a reminder for the for the people to internalize the meaning of this religious holiday. They have to really take personalize the the holiday and its significance within their own lives. So it's not just okay. I'm going to show my respect and gratitude to something external event. Okay, uh, it's not like that. That's what non-dualistic means, you know. So here I am, so, well, I've got to go and give this talk, but I am being, receiving the benefit of having been asked to be a guest speaker. I'm the one that's receiving so much, okay? So, oh, yeah, this is a good teaching. Yeah, yeah, I'm reminded of it. I reaffirm it. I, I get, you know, recommitted to it. I say, yeah. Then I have to ask myself, well, am I living that teaching? Huh? How sincere am I? How much take for granted have I been doing? Huh? Uh, so these are some of the thought, my thoughts know what's going on right now. I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, Michael Saiyo, uh, S-A-I-Y-O. Sai mean is the kanji for plant, and he's a professional landscape gardener. And he was given this name, Sai-yo. And of course, yo is our yo, so-called yo lineage, our, our bright dawn, sun, uh, sunrise. Everybody gets that yo. Sai-yo, plant sun. <laughs> and specializes in, you know, he was part of our LM8 uh, the ministry program, and he lives in Florida. And he, and he specializes in the Dharma of plants. And that's a that's a beautiful combination because nature is a tremendous teacher and you know, how plants grow and they're full of teachings there. So without further ado, let's listen to Michael Sayo. Hello everyone. Michael Sayo here. My Dharma glimpse is entitled Borage. You may be asking yourself what exactly is borage, and what does that have to do with anything as far as a Dharma glimpse is concerned? You know, borage is an underused herb in your garden. It has a brilliant, flat, star-shaped, blue nodding flowers with incredible hairy stems that make this a showstopper. It will grow in sun or shade, poor soil, It works as a soil binder, and it needs medium watering only. It reseeds itself readily and can pop up anywhere in your garden. It truly is nature's gift to the color blue. This is a joyous plant in your garden and attracts lots of beneficial insects. Honeybees and bumblebees love this plant. Old folklore states that the flower essence increases courage, drives away sorrow, and creates happiness. It will create happiness 
and joy in your garden. I encourage everybody to try seeding this incredible plant. I planted these seeds in Michigan, and it truly was amazing to see how varied insects were supported by this plant. When I moved to Florida, I planted the seeds of the borage plant in a pot and set them out in my small front garden. To my amazement, these plants started popping up and sprouting up this November after over a year of non-existence in my garden. What a joyous sight to anticipate these blooms before the Christmas holiday. The Buddha really gave me a treat with these beautiful plants. So, you know, one must think deeply at a flower. When you look at a flower deeply and its non-flower elements, for a flower to exist, everything else needs to exist. Think of everything that's needed to happen for a flower to grow on this earth. Water, insects, pollination, bees, worms, soil. The list goes on and on. If any of these things are taken away, the flower does not exist. Just try and imagine all the conditions that happened over millions of years for a person to see a single flower today. If one can view the world this deeply, their, their perspective of life does indeed change. The Buddha stated, if we could see the miracle of a single flower clearly, our whole life would change. So remember, just as a flower unfolds, so does the layers of one's mind. So every time you see a flower unfold and bloom, it is a reminder to develop clear thinking and to create right intention in your lives. Thank you, everyone, for this short time, and I hope you <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my little lesson on the borage plant. But it really is a joyous plant, and it really makes me think of how wonderful every day can be when you have something like this that reminds you of how beautiful life can be. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a beautiful world. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Uh, well, I'm glad he talked about the Dharma of plants this morning. Uh, wow, geez, I listened. I a lot of associations uh, were sparked off in my mind. I was thinking about, uh, you know, altar objects, and um, of course we have uh, uh, cut flowers that are put on the altar for service. But in our temple in Chicago, they had a, a permanent uh, kind of like a, I don't know, um, uh, I don't know what they were made of, but it was a lotus uh, flower blossom. But the arrangement was is made out of either metal or wood. And one thing about that arrangement is that it wasn't just the lotus blossoms, but it showed the blossom. It showed the bud, the closed-up bud that's getting ready to blossom out. Then they had the full bloom in full bloom, and then they had the the seed pod, 
the lotus seed pod. And so you see the dynamic changes, the stages. It's, it's trying to remind us that it's the process, it, it, not static stages, but you can see the movement, the development, the evolution. Huh? And uh, this is why teachers like Thich Nhat Hanh said, well, when you look at a flower, you should be able to see compost because it's not a plastic flower. It's, you know, it's, it's going to wilt in the heat of the day. And then it's going to become compost. And the opposite, too, when you look at a compost pile, you should be able to see a flower. You see the dynamic flow of reality. Huh? Uh, he said, if you look at, you're reading the book, and it's printed on paper, you should be able to see a cloud. Because the paper came from trees. Trees need the rain, <laughs> and the clouds will produce rain. This is called interdependency, or technical term, dependent origination. No static, unchanging entities, per se. Okay. Um, and then he's, he's, they often use the river. The Buddha used the analogy of a river as, you know, for the self. We're changing all the time. And this is on all levels, even the physical level, of course. Cells are dying. New cells are being produced in the body. Huh? Um, but uh, think of verbs, not nouns. <laughs> well, even now in January, uh, I start to get a little head start on my garden. And right now I, I have planted some seeds in, in trays indoors. I got plant li- lamps, plant lights, special lights, T5 uh, fluorescent bulbs. And I have uh, uh, seed trays, and I collect uh, the cartons, milk cartons, um, and then I cut them in half and fill them with dirt and use those. Um, but borage, when he's talking about the Dharma against borage, I never heard of that that herb. <laughs> you know, not that I'm a know that much about plants, but uh, I have to check that out. And I remember uh, a few months ago, I cured some olives. First time, I, ne- I didn't know what to do about it, but you use lye, you know, not like, sort of like Drano, but you can't, you use Drano, add some things, that product. But the lye is very caustic, and you use a tablespoon or so in a gallon of water, and you soak the olives, raw olives in there, and it draws out the uh, certain kind of a substances in the olives and it cures them okay um, and then I bottle them up in a, a vinegar salt solution and I use a lot of garlic in there okay minced garlic and then Adrian has some herbs growing in our back patio and I and I found out that rosemary and thyme are good for, you know, olives flavor. So I 
cut a few of those and put them into a jar, quart jar, and I put the olives in there and fill up the vinegar salt solution and garlic. And by golly, it turns out all right. <laughs> it tastes good, you know. So I'm growing these uh, seeds in my library uh, and uh, turn the lights on in the morning, turn them off at night. You know, uh, they can't be in the light all the time. They need dark, too. Uh Um, I've got the onion, a lot of onion seeds growing. And and then come around, uh, for us, you know, for gardeners, you need to know the the, uh, frost dates. So in the fall, you got to know around when the frost starts overnight frost and then in the spring you got to know there's a certain date farmer's almanac type of a thing well mid-march for our location mid-march is about uh, you won't get any more frost overnight after mid-march okay so that's when you could we do some transplanting into the outdoor garden but we try to get a jump on it and and uh get the seeds and have them germinate and grow and grow under the lights and then put them outside in a sheltered place for a few days to harden up and so forth. So I got these onions going and then I planted some um, uh, tomatoes and broccoli. I'm going to try a lot of broccoli. This, And of course, uh, you know, uh, I have a big freezer uh, and uh, we can, okay, we don't can it, we don't literally can the, the harvest, but we freeze them. And uh, we can, so I'm going to grow garlic, and then after I harvest them, I'm going to freeze some of them. And I do have a, some, some of my garlic is, was planted in mid-November into the outdoors, See, some you can start outdoors. All kind of plants, different different ways they grow. I have some sweet potatoes uh, growing uh, indoors too. It's sort of like how you how you grow um, avocado plant. You know how you put the toothpicks into an avocado seed and then you put it into a quart jar of water and the bottom of the seed is in the water, held up by the toothpicks on the side and that's what you do with the sweet potatoes. You cut them in half and put some toothpicks in there and you put them into a jar of water. So the bottom is in the water and then some shoots come up. Might take a month. Mm-hmm. Some germinate fast, some don't. But sweet sweet potatoes are very different because you grow these shoots come up and then you break those shoots off when they're about mm, three, four inches tall, a lot of leaves, and you break them off, and then you stick those into a water, those shoots, and then some roots start coming out. So you get a nice root base, and then you plant that into the ground. So it's different from potatoes. Potatoes, you know, you cut out the eye, these different eyes of a potato, and you plant it right into the ground. Okay, Here, sweet potatoes, you got to grow these what they call slips. These are the little shoots that grow up. Huh? from the half of a sliced sweet potato. 
you get these slips, these little shoots, and you break them off, okay? And you put them in the water to get a little roots on them, and then you plant those. You don't take the sweet potato itself, okay, and plant it in the ground. You won't get, you won't get anything there. It's not like potatoes, okay? So I, that's, I don't know, this is what I <laughs> pretty good internet <laughs> resource material. So I have some sweet potatoes growing, and... And uh, I got the broccoli and onions and the tomatoes um, and the garlics going. So uh, even though it's, it's not uh, springtime yet, okay, it's a year-round wonderful, well, I guess you wouldn't call it a hobby exactly, but uh, being a gardener, it's very tremendous, tremendous. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time. Keep growing, keep growing, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.